a moment that really felt like a massive failure was the Easter holidays, where rather than taking annual leave like the more seasoned parents in my team did, I thought it would be fine to work half days and I was able to get a nanny to help with some half days. So I thought it's fine. It'll be quieter anyway. I'll do half days and she can do the other half days with Felix. And honestly, it was the worst of all worlds because I had no break. So I went back after the Easter holidays feeling more exhausted and I've just felt completely slammed the whole time. And I wasn't really fully present for Felix. Like I didn't have any full days. I couldn't take him out anywhere or do anything fun. And I wasn't really fully present for work. I didn't feel like I got through my overly ambitious to-do list. Welcome back to the Leaders with Babies podcast. I'm Ferina Hefti and I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. I'm also a parent myself, currently recording this intro whilst my five-year-old is entertaining our six-month-old in the room next door and doing a brilliant job of being a short-term nanny. And the reason I've set up this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship program is because I guess I lifted the balance of a leadership role and young children. I really believe that more of us need to be able to be supported to go to the most senior roles whilst enjoying their young children. And I want to empower and give people the opportunity to find a way that works for you to do that. And our fellows are at the heart and centre of this. So you will have heard me mention we run a nine month leadership development programme, career development programme called the Leaders Plus Fellowship for leaders with babies and leaders with young children up to primary school age. And our fellows have challenged me. They said to me, Ferina, your broadcast is great and we love it. They were very friendly and polite in that way. But you must talk more about failure. And I think they didn't know that I would take them by the word and said, well, why don't we get you to talk and to share what were your failures? What have you done differently? And how has your thinking changed about career progression? Because as the frequent listeners of this podcast know, I'm all about career progression because I really think more of us need to be in the most senior leadership roles for the world to change. So I hope you will enjoy Amy Gibbs, who is the CEO of the charity Birthrights, David Vinton, who is the global talent pipeline manager at renewable energy firm Orsted, and Ruth Stewart, who is head of strategy development at the CFED today. They will all share their quite honest reflections and I'm extremely grateful for them to have joined this conversation. The format is just a little bit different than usual. I've trialed a live podcast for this one. So we have people dialing and asking questions and a big, big thank you to those of you who have done it. I really love the interactions from you and your questions and comments. And there are some really excellent questions around managing your own energy level and well-being whilst holding down a big job and small children. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and just a shout out, 11th of October is our deadline for the Leaders Plus Fellowship. So if you believe you shouldn't have to choose between an ambitious career and your young children and you want to join a like-minded group of mums and dads, then have a look at the fellowship. Hello and a very warm welcome to the first Leaders with Babies live podcast. I am delighted to welcome you today and a very warm welcome to our fellows who've gone through the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme and are here joining us today to share really openly about what they've learned about career progression, what they're doing differently now from 10 years back and any failures that they've had so far. We'll spend the first 20 minutes, half an hour to really exploring their experience 
And we're then going to go and answer a couple of questions regarding the fellowship that we've had through from attendees. Let's start with a brief round of introductions. Ruth, why don't you say who you are, where you work, who's in your family, and one thing that you're doing differently now in terms of career progression compared to five years back. Thank you for the introduction, Verena. It's really wonderful to be here today and be able to talk to you all through this live podcast. So I'm Ruth Stewart. I'm Head of Strategy Development at the CIPD and we're the professional body for HR and people professionals. In terms of my setup at home, I've got um, two children, um, one who's just turned three and a little boy who is 10 months old. I've just come back from maternity leave last week, actually. I'm doing a phase return, so I'm working Mondays and Tuesdays at the moment, just trying to get myself kind of back into the, the work spirit. So that's kind of my setup. My husband works from home mostly, and we share childcare responsibilities between us. In terms of what I'm doing differently compared to five years ago in terms of my career, I think I used to see my career very much as a sprint and it was a case of I need to be getting the promotion every couple of years. I need to be thinking about kind of getting the salary increases, moving on, getting more responsibility. And you know, some of that is still there. I'm still ambitious, but I've got a slightly different perspective in that I see my career more as a marathon now. And there will be different times in my life where my career takes more or less priority and having two small children under three means that I can't necessarily go through that, go up that ladder in the same way that I used to. But that doesn't mean that I still can't progress in my career. I'm just doing it in a slightly different way. Mm. And I love the fact that you are not saying no to the ambition, because I think too often we're told like either you're going for it now 120 percent or that's it. You're going to not progress for the rest of your life. Yeah, love it's not an either or situation. It's just a different way of thinking about careers. Hmm. And do I remember it right that this is now the ultimate test of my memory as I've just returned from maternity leave myself? Do I remember it right that you actually did progress in the last few years? I think you did. Yeah. So I I moved into a a head of strategy role at the CIPD about a year or so before I had my, my first child. And then when I came back from maternity leave, I was still in the same role, but I took on quite a lot of extra responsibility in that role. So managing an additional team and, and taking on extra extra duties. So again, not a kind of an official move up, but a, but a great kind of experience for me and, and great for my CV as well. Fantastic. Thank you, Ruth. Dave, who are you? Who is in your family? Where do you work? And what are you doing differently now in terms of career progression? So my name is Dave Linton. I work for a renewable energy company called Allstead. And I have a little boy called Oscar, who is going to be two in December. And then he's going to be a big brother at the start of March. So I've got another one on the way. What I do in my career is I work in talent management for a big renewable energy company. I'm about to start a new role as Global Head of Workforce Strategy. So that'll be starting in about a week's time. So I've also been able to make some progress. And I think what's changed my thinking about career is I used to want to be all things to all people and then would always do extra hours, extra work on top. My wife is also working full time. We share the childcare responsibilities. So I've had to be really deliberate and strategic about what I choose to do. And as importantly, what I choose not to do and what I choose to say no to do, because now there's a real cost to working extra hours, not being able to pick up from nursery, not being able to do nursery runs, not being there for my family. And I'm really keen that I don't do that. So it's, it's a constant juggling act actually to make sure that I've got enough that I can handle in normal working hours without saying yes to everything. Mm, that's very thought provoking. So you started saying no more 
you're also one of the first dads, I think, in your field that went on SharePoint leave. So you've, it sounds like you've been used to doing things bravely and differently, but you started saying no more. And at the same time, you did get a promotion. Most people intuitively would say that people who say no and set boundaries, they're not going to get the job. Can you give a practical example of what you said no to and why that didn't impact on your end career progression goal or, or your new role? By the way, again, congratulations on both. Most importantly, the new baby coming soon and your new role. So I think I would always have five, six, seven projects running concurrently. And I've had to be really clear about what bandwidth I do and do not have. So I've had to say, look, I can handle up to three things concurrently. And that is probably it. Otherwise, it starts stretching into evenings and weekends, which for me is the red line where I'm taking away from family time. So that's been a challenge and still is. I think it's actually been helpful to really think through what am I good at and where do I add the most value versus somebody else could work on that project as well, who might bring a different perspective to me. So that's been where I've been trying to be super clear is to say, where can I add the value and focusing on those projects. Mm, Excellent. Thank you very much, Dave. Amy, over to you. Who are you? What do you do for work? Who's in your family? And what are you doing differently, if anything, around career progression? Thank you, Verena. And it's great to be here with you, Ruth and Dave, today. So I'm Amy. I have two little boys called Felix, who is five in December, and Jude, who is two in January. So I'm currently trying to learn how to manage school hours with nursery pickup, which is completely different, obviously, and work. So lots of new challenges. I think your children are always at a different stage is one of the things I've learned. And the things that worked previously may not continue to work. So you have to be pretty, pretty agile and and responsive to those needs as well as to your work pressures. What I do for work, I'm a chief exec of a charity called Birthrights. We champion human rights in pregnancy and childbirth in the UK. So we improve maternity care through advice, training and campaigning for change. And I know we were able to support Verena recently with her birth choices. So that was a nice world colliding moment for me. Thank you very much again. No problem. I actually progressed to my first CEO role after having my first son, which again may seem counterintuitive, but it's a part-time, really flexible workplace. I lead a team of mainly parents. We do have a non-parent now. We all work really flexibly and part-time and that brings huge benefits, but also challenges, which we might talk about later. The main thing that I am doing differently, and it's I put a lot of this down to Leaders Plus, is I'm just being a lot more open with my team and also publicly in terms of stakeholders and partners, but also on social media about the juggle and about when I can't do something, as Dave was saying, but also in COVID, I think we've all had to adapt and learn so quickly that things, best laid plans just might not come to pass, even if you are naturally, as I am, a bit of a control freak and a big planner and quite strategic and I like to organise things. I've had to accept that that's not always the case. And I think that's a really good lesson generally for parenting and juggling kind of a big senior job too. So I'm trying to just be more authentic and genuine about that and lead by example a bit more that it's okay if if the wheels come off and you have to change things. And no one has ever been cross with me for saying, I'm really sorry, I need to move this meeting. I'm really sorry, I just can't get to this today. And I think before Leaders Plus, I felt like I had to almost hide my family and just act like nothing had changed. And I was still the same ambitious, career-driven 
person that I am still that person as Ruth was saying but I'm also a mum and that has changed me and I'm proud of how that's changed me and it's had benefits for work as well as challenges so I just try to not fake it so much and be just more open and honest with people and I've had feedback from the team that's really inspiring to them and helps them with their own imposter syndrome too. That's very powerful and I think it's easy to underestimate the massive impact that you have on your team and even the people who don't have children but want to have children in the future seeing you being you and being your whole Amy with family and really amazing job is absolutely fine. I think it's very interesting. One thing I've been thinking about a bit recently is visibility linked to career progression. So the fellows here on the call today know that the reason I'm going on about career progression again and again is not because I want to bore people, but because I really feel that individuals who have children and who are doing things differently, like the three of you on the call today, we need to have more of you in senior leadership roles in order for the world to be a a better place. In, I mean, this is very cheesy, but I really believe that we need to have bigger diversity in senior leadership roles. And it's not okay that if you have children and want to be with them, regardless of whether you're a mom or a dad or something else, it's harder for you to do that. Anyway, so that's the reason. And that's why I'm passionate about increasing visibility and people being able to showcase their achievements. And I'm interested, how do you manage to showcase your achievements in this online world? Is it something you're actively trying to do or are you just giving yourself a break and saying, It's fine if people don't know all the great things I'm doing. Anyone? I'm happy to start on that one. I think I'm probably the worst person at this, that it doesn't come naturally in the slightest in terms of sort of putting myself out there in terms of what I've achieved and really promoting myself. But just as Amy was describing, Leaders Plus had a big impact in changing my mindset on that and making me really see that it's not about showing off in any way. It's about sharing your work with others in a way that, actually benefits them, benefits the organisation as much as it might benefit you personally in terms of your career. There's kind of a knock-on effect of that. So I'm, I'm a bigger proponent of it now than I than I used to be, but it doesn't come naturally. I, mean, I suppose what I do is it's a very basic thing, but I'm sure many, many of us have things like company intranets. Ours is a particularly active one. And so I'll, I'll highlight when the team's achieved something, when I've achieved something, I will kind of praise other people, comment on things, share things. And it's just a way of kind of staying on on people's radar and just kind of showing that you're there, you're being an active participant in things. As an example, we had a virtual all staff briefing today. And and as it's my second week back from maternity leave, I wanted to kind of show that even if I'm not there in person, which no one was, I'm engaged and I'm there and I'm, I'm back. So I made sure that I kind of commented on the chat. I asked a few questions and I just kind of put myself out there a little bit. So that's kind of just a really basic thing that I think can help rather than just sticking to the same people that you always talk to on a day-to-day basis try and kind of get out there a bit more Mm, that's excellent advice and thank you for being so honest about that this is tricky it's a tricky thing to do now you've started doing it has it got easier or is it does it still feel as tricky yeah I mean it's early days from coming back from maternity leave this time around but I definitely did it before I before I went off nine months ago yeah, it, it does become easier. It becomes more natural and it becomes almost second nature that something happens and you think, right, I bet I must share this. Also, when I returned back from maternity leave last time, I had a change in reporting line and I was reporting directly into the, the CEO. And previously, he probably knew about 10% of what I was doing and achieving. Whereas because I had that direct relationship with him, I could really tell him about what I was achieving and the projects I was working on. And that made a massive difference in terms of exposure. 
And it made me reflect that the reporting line change was obviously a trigger, but in a way I could have done that anyway. I could have sort of been been having more conversations with him and being more open and, and seeing him not as this kind of scary CEO, but a real person who's interested in me and what I'm doing. Fantastic. Any comments, Dave or Amy on this? Just to build on that. So I use Twitter quite a lot. That's just where a lot of charity leadership and sort of policy work happens. And I try to be quite mindful about when I tweet. So I'm a campaigner. So shouting about our achievements as an organization comes really naturally to me and is a big part of my instincts and my job. But I do hate selling myself. So I try to do it in a way that's promoting the team and the organization, but be really explicit in most of my posts about how much you can achieve as a part-time team, the power of part-time working, the power of parents and how efficient we are, you know, all of those things. And I've also tried to, building on my earlier point, just bring a bit of kind of authenticity and humor into that as well. So if I've had a terrible day, sometimes I just post about that. And, And actually often the posts that are more honest and are showing weakness get a lot more likes and traction than the ones that are like, look how great we're doing in our team. So there's a lot to be said for that openness and and being vulnerable, I think, especially at the moment when everyone's feeling like that because of COVID, whether they're a parent or not. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I've just read this excellent book by Carol Robin, who also I'm lucky enough to interview for a podcast later this month. And she said that basically it's through, I'm probably not phrasing this right, but it's through vulnerability and disclosing yourself that you create relationships. And she hasn't referenced the online world at all, but actually it's the same thing, like you say, Amy, in the online world. I I find the same when I'm actually posting a really authentic post on LinkedIn about how things are going or something I believe in. You don't have to say everything is rubbish because it probably isn't. And then people will remember you of the person that everything is rubbish. But actually just sharing something you're struggling with can be really powerful. Thank you for that. And to add something from my side, I'm also not the type who really wants to shout out around my whole company what we're doing I find that quite hard and quite challenging what's been really helpful and Leaders Plus has been a big trigger for this is who am I trying to influence and who am I trying to build a reputation with who would be my sponsor or my advocate in the organization for the work I want to do and I can do so that's been really helpful for me it doesn't have to be a open broadcast post on Twitter or LinkedIn or the company internet it can be having a conversation and connecting what you're doing to that person's agenda And that's been really helpful for me thinking, how do I strategically promote what I'm doing and the interesting work that's going on to the people where this could drive some value and drive some opportunities. So that's what I've been trying to do as well. Mm, Very interesting. You as fellows have challenged me to talk more about failures on the podcast. So you don't have to, but I'm just really interested in if any of you are comfortable sharing any failures that you have in combining quite an ambitious career dream with the day-to-day struggles of just getting to your children to the right establishment, school or nursery. Well, I certainly have a very frequent failure with that. I've got two that I'm happy to share and which have highlighted two sort of specific lessons for me that I just need to keep reminding myself of. So one is about boundaries. So the example is that So this year, my elder son has been in a school nursery. So I've already had a little bit of exposure to kind of juggling totally different hours, but also the school holiday periods. And, and, you know, COVID on top has given us even more time at home with our children (laughs) to look after them while working. A moment that really felt like a massive failure was the Easter holidays, where rather than taking annual leave, like the more seasoned parents in my team did, 
I thought it would be fine to work half days and I was able to get a nanny to help with some half days. So I thought it's fine. It'll be quieter anyway. I'll do half days and she can do the other half days with Felix. And honestly, it was the worst of all worlds because I had no break. So I went back after the Easter holidays feeling more exhausted and I've just felt completely slammed the whole time. And I wasn't really fully present for Felix. Like I didn't have any full days. I couldn't take him out anywhere or do anything fun. And I wasn't really fully present for work. I didn't feel like I got through my overly ambitious to-do list those two weeks either. So that kind of blurring of boundaries for me just really doesn't work. And it's a big lesson I've had to learn. You know, the odd day where you have to juggle is fine, but I need to just be much more demarcated like about when I'm with my kids and when I'm doing work as far as that's feasible. But I just felt like I've really messed up here and it was a good lesson for future summer. So in the summer holidays, I took some more dedicated extra leave and me and Felix had such a wonderful time doing things just the two of us. And I went back to work feeling refreshed rather than still exhausted and burnt out. So that's about boundaries. And then my other failure relates to sort of communication with your partner or your support network if you don't have a partner. So we in sort of running into the summer holidays, we had like many parents, we had just some repeated periods of self-isolation for the kids because bubbles at school or nursery had broken or burst. And the last straw, so our son was out of school for a week and then he went back in for one day before the summer holidays. And that same week, our younger son, we got a text. I really vividly remember we got a text saying he can't come back to nursery for 10 days because the staff's tested positive. And I had a total meltdown. I was really stressed. I had a big comms crisis going on at work. So I was already very stressed. I was really angry and just you know all the normal human emotions I felt like this is completely I can't, just not gonna be able to manage this very challenging work crisis and my kids I felt like my husband wasn't being sympathetic and we had a big row and I left with my baby to go and get him a COVID test and slammed the door it's not my proudest moment but in the spirit of honesty and when my husband and I talked about it later on and we were calmer we just hadn't been expressing to each other our needs and what was going on that week. And when we think about it in the way we think about a work problem, like when we act as a team and say, right, I need this from you this week. What do you need from me? What's non-negotiable with our meetings? What can we shift? Are we happy to suck it up and just work every evening this week so that we kind of both feel calmer? Let's just outsource like the food by getting in frozen meals or whatever the solution is. So we didn't communicate our needs and it all fell apart that day, but we regrouped later and we worked out a plan and, and it was stressful, but we managed that two weeks and the children were fed and relatively happy and engaged. And we managed our work priorities too, and actually managed more than we probably thought we would. So they're just two recent failures that I thought I would share, which might resonate mm. with people. Mm. And I love it that you share the lessons from those failures as well, because we all do have set failures, but what matters is whether or not you can take the lesson from it. Anyone else want to share? You don't have to. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share one. So as I mentioned, I, I went back to work last week just for two days and I had this vision in my head that I would be able to sit in my, my office. I would be able to maybe have a cup of tea, relax, have a few interesting calls, get bit to grips with everything. But my husband was looking after the, the kids. And what actually happened was he hurt his shoulder that weekend, which meant that he couldn't pick up the children. And a 10-month-old and a three-year-old need picking up quite frequently. So the reality was that I had to spend my first two days back at work kind of going in between 
trying to do work whilst also doing nappy changes, feeding the kids, putting them down for a nap, sort of all the kind of grind of kind of the parenting without any of the fun. And I, yeah, I got myself quite stressed out about it because I think the vision in my head of what returning to work was going to look like versus the reality of just a complete juggle and feeling like I wasn't meeting anybody's needs properly, not the kids, myself, or kind of what I needed to do or wanted to do, at least from a work perspective. So by the end of those two days, I was quite kind of down. I was quite disheartened. And I was thinking, have I gone back to work too soon? Is kind of this is what it's going to be like from now on. And I just got really into my head about it without kind of just thinking, well, actually, this is a situation that's kind of happened out of the blue and not the reality of my working pattern, like as it's actually going to be. Thankfully, this week's been a lot calmer, a lot, a lot better. And I think I've taken the lesson that when you've got two children, you might have a plan for childcare, but things are going to go wrong at different times, whether that's nursery, partner being ill, all sorts. And I hadn't quite had that last time round when we just had my daughter. So that was a bit of a kind of shock to the system. I think we were quite lucky that childcare never really went wrong before. But now in the context of COVID and everything else, I'm sure it's going to happen more often. Um, So I guess what I've learned is that I really just need to kind of take a few deep breaths and probably just concentrate on on one thing or the other. The right thing Mm. to do might have been to say to work, actually, I know I was going to start this week, but I really can't because I need to look after the kids. Mm. Um, And and they would have been absolutely fine about that. I'm 100% sure. But I was placing too much expectation on myself to to kind of get it right, get it perfect from day one. So I'm, I'm going to reflect on that because I know the situation is going to come up again. Mm. And it's so easy to underestimate how these things always do seem to happen at the very beginning when you're going back to work, isn't it? Absolutely. Great. So do you want to add something or are we all good, Dave? Yeah, I'll dive in and share as well. So like everybody else, I've been pretty surprised at very short notice about things like COVID tests, high temperatures, pickup from nurseries, etc. And suddenly a well-crafted plan falls falls apart and I've got myself into trouble trying to both be the model dad and the model employee when both are sort of colliding quite hard so actually saying well I I need to pick up myself from nursery we need to go and get a PCR test we need to have a hey while we're waiting for results and I'm going to pretend like nothing's happened at work I think actually Part of that is talking about what's happening together and, and being a team together with my wife. But then also part of that is being honest at work and saying, look, my son's been sent home. He needs a PCR test. I'm going to log off for a few hours. I might not be able to get to everything. And I think actually being willing, which has always been a, a challenge for me, willing to say, look, I'm going to take leave at short notice because of this this becomes a priority, this becomes a thing that matters most to me right now and saying that's okay sometimes. So be willing to actually be open as we've talked about before and transparent saying, look, I have a young family. Sometimes this stuff happens. Sometimes the right thing is for me to do the childcare and we just need to be open and adaptable to that happening and, and building some flexibility, but be really honest with our teams and our managers to say, look, I might need that at short notice and that should be okay. Mm. I love how that theme of honesty is coming through and, and it takes guts, doesn't it, to be honest. It's not, not easy. It's sometimes really tempting to pretend we don't have those other commitments. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So if the attendees want to ask any questions, then please put it in the q and I'll, I'll take a look at that. I've also been given questions that attendees have had in advance about the fellowship. So I'll suggest removing 
onto those. And one question was around application to the fellowship program. Do you have any tips as you're applying to the fellowship program? I think I would suggest if no one in your organisation has has been through the fellowship before, I would suggest that you connect with maybe one of the previous fellows and see if they can have a conversation perhaps with somebody at your organisation or you can get someone in your organisation to look at some of the videos or the podcasts that, that have been done by fellows if that's not possible because I think it really helps to hear directly from someone that's been through the fellowship the, the real value of it. Um, my organisation didn't quite understand the value of, of it, the programme until I went through it. And since I went through it, they've then funded quite a few others in the organisation to do it. But I don't think that would have happened unless they'd really understood how much value I'd got from it. So I would say try and get people in your organisation to really connect to it as part of that kind of you're putting together your business case for it. Mm. And in a nutshell, can you summarise what your organisation did find the value was of the fellowship? I think they saw a real change in me in terms of my confidence when I came back from my previous maternity leave and I'd gone through the fellowship during that period that I think I was a slightly different type of leader. I was more authentic, more honest, more open and more sure of myself in terms of what I could achieve and what I wanted to deliver for the business. And I think they, the way that I articulated that was that I developed that way through the programme. Mm. Mm, excellent. And Dave, I think you were the first ever dad who applied to the programme. I think, I think so, yes. I think so. So thanks again for trusting us with this. Uh, really appreciate it. But do you have any tips for dads who are thinking about this? I think it's about being open and honest with your manager and employer. Because for me, we had a very strong view and it's still my view that I want to be fully showing up as a parent. I, I don't expect my wife to be taking the bulk of it. I want to split it as equally down the middle as we can. And to say to my employer, look, actually, this is super valuable for me because this is the challenge I now have that I want to balance family and career, but I don't want to take my foot off the pedal on sort of career progression. I'm still ambitious. I'm still committed. I still want to move forward. But I do want to be there for my family, which means I can't work every hour of every day. I can't say yes to everything. And it was an adjustment for my company to go, oh, wow, actually, that's a challenge for fathers as well as mothers. Because, you know, if we've been out for two weeks paternity leave, we haven't been on a holiday. We've been changing nappies and struggling with sleep. So actually, you know, we want to come back and progress, but our worlds have changed. And that means there's quite a lot of realignments to do there. And because we've been out often for a really short period of time, that's harder for people to get conceptually. So actually aligning that with your manager and saying, look, this is why I want to do it. This is what matters to me. And this is what has changed for me is really, really important. Mm, that's incredibly powerful. And actually, Dave, in a nutshell, I would love to ask you, sorry, this is not related to the fellowship, but if you can just give a few, I guess, three top tips for dads coming back from shared parental leave, because I don't think there's enough support out there for those dads and you have a lot of experience. I think the first thing is to be really honest with people about where your priorities now sit my perception is people think that nothing has changed when you come back from paternity leave or shared parental leave, when in reality, everything has changed. So be really honest about what's changed for you. And one of the upsides of COVID for me was that I regularly had a baby on conference calls. And so everybody had seen Oscar 10 or 15 times and then we're beginning to mentally associate that, hang on, Dave has a family and that matters to him. So that was really helpful for me. The next thing was to be super clear about 
actually what career plans were and then saying, look, I want to do this and I want to do this, but I'm going to have to say no to things. I'm going to have to say, you know, choose my time wisely, choose what I do and I don't do. And then also the last thing is, as A put really well, you're a team as parents and actually talking to each other about what matters, what's coming up, what's going on, how can you support and help each other is super important because there are times when I need to say to my wife, look, this is really important to me and this matters and this is the key project. And there are other times where she pushes back at me and says, no, I've, I've got to do this. And so there are times when I look after a sick child, there are times when she looks after a sick child. We need to be able to share those responsibilities uh, and do that in a fair way. So I think that's important too, is to actually make sure you've got good communication with your partner too and uh, keep that up. We've also had meltdowns where we, we haven't done that well and haven't been talking well enough about actually what's going on and what matters to each other. So building a shared plan together for a dual career is way more important. I think we've got children in the mix than when you can both essentially be a little bit selfish and work mm. late into the night. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's exactly why we put in those sessions with the partners to give partners a chance to chat to each other and, and really ask those difficult questions that you never have time to ask for if you have young children running around in the house and, and big jobs to uphold. Is there anything else? We've got one question. That's an excellent question coming from Facebook. Given those examples of how much there is to juggle, how do you look after yourself when there are so many pulls on your energy? Be honest, do you look after yourself or are you completely run down? I'm happy to jump in if that's mm -hmm. okay. So I would say it's variable. And at the moment, yeah, I'm not looking after myself brilliantly. But when I am, it's really hard to find the time and space for yourself. But I try to hold on to a couple of concrete things that are really important to me. So one thing which might sound like a bit of an indulgence, to be honest, and, you know, I'm fortunate that I can afford to pay for it, is I have a massage, like not every month, maybe every six weeks. And I get really bad back. That's where I carry all my stress. But also I've known this woman for years, like well over a decade. So she's a little bit like a therapist as well. She always asks, she takes a very holistic approach. So I get a little bit of input into my emotional well-being she always asks about that and I've had some quite difficult personal things recently she's been amazingly supportive but also I get that physical massage which is brilliant for your endorphins and just for feeling calm and looked after and it helps my physical problems but also I think crucially it is an hour where I can't look at my phone I don't have any children in the room my husband isn't there sometimes I really struggle to calm my racing thoughts in my brain but it is a space where I've not got loads of people demanding things from me I'm just being looked after by someone else. I really notice it if I don't have one or if I cut it back because I you know, don't want to spend the money or whatever. And so I've realized that that's a really important kind of tool in my own personal well-being toolkit. And the other sort of smaller thing, which is easier for anyone to do is so I've got into really bad habits because of COVID and working extremely flexibly and having to pick up stuff in the evenings. I've got into quite bad habits of continuing that evening working, even when I've had normal working days. I think it's just really easy for that to become your pattern. You know, kids are down, hop on the laptop. Oh, I'll just do a few emails. And then two hours later, I've not eaten. And it's just, yeah, it's not healthy pattern. And I'm sure I'm not doing my best work at that time either. So I'm trying to really mentally be honest with myself. I'm not going to never work in an evening. So it's setting meaningful goals that you will actually stick to. So I'm trying to make sure I don't work every evening 
and that a couple of nights a week, I just watch some trashy telly. That might be with my husband or it might just be that I want to watch something that he doesn't like on my own and just kind of really relax my brain. And I struggle with doing that because it doesn't feel productive. And I'm, you know, I like to be useful at all times, but it is actually useful for me. So I'm trying to just build in that rest time, even if it's 20 minute episode of something Mm -hmm. just to to wind down a bit. And that in turn helps me sleep better. Whereas if I work till 11 o'clock, you know, it's then completely impossible to go to sleep and my toddler still wakes up for feeds in the night and so on. So, so it's a mix of concrete and smaller things that I try to do, but I often don't manage. (laughs) There seems to be some evidence base actually about rest where you don't have to be productive and trashy TV absolutely qualifies that. And we've all learned that we should go to yoga, we should do this, that and the other, but actually that is so powerful. And the other thing I liked about your advice is to schedule time, whether that's a massage or something else, but you are not going to be able to do something else in that time, but you have to rest. That's very powerful. Thank you. Anyone else who has learned how to look after themselves? I just have a small example. If anyone's returning back from maternity leave, I kind of made a, I had a bit of an, an error last time I came back from maternity leave in that I put my daughter into nursery and I started back at work the exact same week. So there was no break between kind of full-time childcare and, and full-time working. Whereas this time round, I'm approaching quite differently. I'm doing this phased return. And then when my son goes into nursery, I'll have two weeks where I'm not back at work fully. And I've got four days with no childcare responsibilities either. So I'm quite looking forward to that. And I've bought myself a massage and all sorts. But that's specifically because last time I just threw myself back into everything and didn't give myself time to kind of rest and and also reflect. So this time around, hopefully if the kids are all well, which may not happen, we'll see. But I should have a bit of kind of time to myself and that will be a massive help. Mm -hmm. I also just have 20 minutes on the exercise bike when the kids have gone to bed. And it's not really for exercise. It's just because I need some alone time. And I watch TV whilst I'm on it and it's just me on my own. No one needs me. And it just helps reset me for the evening so that I can kind of properly relax then. Mm, brilliant. Love the routine of that. I think to add something as well, what I've learned with self-care is it's super important. If it's not in my calendar, it's not going to happen. Again, it's a shared thing with my wife. So she needs it as much as I do. So we talk about, you know, what are the things that really matter for me? It's getting up for a run a few times a week for my wife. She's really keen to go swimming while she's pregnant and so she's got antenatal swimming classes that are her priority so what are the big blocks in the week that we sort of move around and we, we agree to the childcare around the other thing i found really helpful is i'm quite type a particularly with things like exercise where i go if i haven't done an hour and a half run there's no point going running at all kind of thing and to say you know what can i do when life does throw up challenges and almost have an option b of going look i can go for a 20 minute run that's good or I can do a 10 minute yoga class on YouTube or something and that's better than doing nothing and I need that as well so to say look have I got a backup option in my pocket where when life does throw up you've got a toddler who's being sick or you've got something that's come up unexpectedly or works over run what are the small things I can do that are helpful from self-care that aren't necessarily the the big block hour-long exercise class I have planned but I can just fit in and find a window for myself. Mm, I love that. Low targets, in a way, uh, so important. We are coming to the end of our times. And for the last four minutes, I would like you each, if you can think of something, to share one thing that has been really valuable that you've gained from the fellowship and your advice to people 
applying now about what they can do to get the most out of it themselves? I can maybe jump in quickly. One of the most helpful things for me was thinking about who are the stakeholders and who are giving me ad- my advocates in the organisation. How do I influence those people? That was really helpful for me. And actually, the role I'm moving into now is as a direct result of really thinking through and working through that exercise. I think the thing I would say with the fellowship is make sure you prioritise the time for the meetings, but as much as you can, try to take the time to really think through the exercises and to think through what you're learning. That time to really sort of sit down and digest it either in blocks or to sit back and think it through is super important because you get lots of brilliant content. And I know that it was always a challenge to find extra time on top of what we already had booked in the calendar to think it through. But that always created value. So doing that was hugely helpful for me. And then being able to come back to that a month or two later, going that I know I had something there that I should be thinking about reflecting on was really helpful for me to be able to come back to that and then think it through and to think actually what does it mean in practice for me was super helpful. Fantastic. Thank you. Ruth? So I think the most valuable thing for me, Food Leaders Plus, was seeing it as a whole family perspective. So I found the session that my partner attended hugely valuable just in terms of us both thinking about we've both got careers how are we going to make this work and having time and space to have those big conversations that might have got ignored in in kind of the busyness of life and also just thinking through simple things around well not quite simple but the mental load and and who's going to who's going to take each part of the responsibility for for childcare and for running the house and everything else and making sure that you've kind of divvied up those kind of roles equally if that makes sense for you as a family or involving your support, people in your life that support you in, in Leaders Plus as well, doesn't have to necessarily be a partner. And I would say in terms of getting the most out of it, again, yeah, involve partners, support people, but also don't just see it as a, a kind of year-long programme. Actually, I, I genuinely believe that Leaders Plus is something that can support you throughout your career because you're making connections with people who are a similar life stage to you, are they're part of your career network and they're people who can support you along that way. We've got the fantastic alumni network as well, which is starting to grow. So really take the time to get involved in the programme beyond your specific events, because there's so much richness there and some brilliant people in, in the network. Fantastic. And Amy, your words for the last minute. Thank you. So I 100% agree with everything Dave and Ruth have said. In addition, the biggest lesson for me from Leaders Plus has been a real shift in mindset and an acceptance that there is not one perfect solution to my work life family juggle so I have worked you know compressed week I've done five days in four in a massive organization I've done three days a week genuinely part-time thinking about the future and whether you know job share might be an option in future senior roles And they're all fine. Working full time is also great. I think what was really powerful about the cohort and also the the speakers that the fellowship brings in is seeing how these different models of work can all be brilliant and all have challenges too. And your own solution might be right for you right now or not, but also that might change as your children's needs change or as your opportunities change. And I think I was always searching before for like the right balance and it just doesn't exist. And I've, I've found that mindset shift and that acceptance quite freeing. And when things are frustrating, knowing that I can either, you know, I have the power to think about how to change things, but also it's right in lots of other ways and just accepting the choices you've made and rolling with them or changing them if they aren't working for you. 
and that all of them mean you're a brilliant parent and brilliant at your job. And it's just different ways of solving that same conundrum. And then the specific advice I'd say about making the most of the fellowship, in addition to the other points, is to really embrace what the mentorship brings. So I was really lucky to have be matched with a mentor that in a sort of a similar sector to me, a bit further on in both her career and her family, the age of her children. And so that mentorship, the space, the dedicated time, but also her real understanding of what I was going through was a place where I could take the learning that Dave talked about and really apply it practically to my own challenges and my own career. And she helped me think through really basic things like getting logistics in place, being really clear about what you need from your partner or support network and, you know, thinking about career progression in really tangible ways and looking at jobs together and so on. So I'd really recommend making the most of the mental relationship. But also if the mental matching hasn't worked, being honest with the fellowship about that. And, and you know, I know another mentor will be arranged for people. So they would be my reflections. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That's all excellent advice. Thank you so much, Ruth Stewart, Dave Vinton and Amy Gibbs. You have been wonderful and so honest, which is exactly what the spirit of the fellowship is about. And, and I guess the whole reason why we call it a fellowship rather than a training program is because it's about giving back to others and supporting others. And by being so honest today, you've really done that. So big, big thank you. I know that our panelists would love to have your feedback. So my colleague Jenny is going to put a survey link in the chat. If you can have a look and complete it, that would be wonderful. And also don't forget the application deadline for the next fellowship is the 11th of October and get in touch if you have any questions, we can arrange a call or something. But a big thank you and lovely to have this opportunity to see you all again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good afternoon, everyone. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to the end of the Leaders with Babies podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've done. I think Amy, Ruth and Dave have been extremely generous by sharing so honestly their own reflections and also what went wrong and what they would be doing differently another time round. And I'm very grateful for their honesty. As you know, one of the reasons I set up the fellowship as a fellowship program rather than a training is because I want people to create that community and, and give back to other parents. So our fellows are selected with the aim of making sure that they then go out into the world and give back to others. And Dave, Amy and Ruth have exactly done that by being so open and honest today. Well done and a big thank you to them. And again, 11th of October is your deadline to apply to the fellowship program. We are really excited to receive lots of wonderful applications. And I'm very pleased to announce that we will be able to offer one additional hardship fund space on top of those that we're offering already. So as you probably know, 10% of our cohort usually receive a hardship fund space. Sometimes they're victims of maternity discrimination or perhaps come from financially challenging backgrounds. And we really want to make sure that the fellowship program is accessible to all. So if you do apply, then just make sure that you mention you're interested in that one. So yeah, have a wonderful week and thank you for listening. Thank you.